Today on Life, Liberty, and Anything Else, I will be going over some book series that I've read, what I like, what I dislike. I will also be going over major political issues of the day, such as the supply chain, the labor shortage crisis. I will be going over uh, China and the Loudoun County scandal that's been going on. All of that today on Life, Liberty, and Anything Else. So, what have I been reading? I bet you're just, you know, oodling to know what kind of books I've been getting up to. And I'll tell you, I've been reading quite a few um, fiction. When it, when it comes to fiction, I've been reading quite a bit of military fiction, I guess you could call it. Um, more of kind of the alternate future kind of, uh, I get. I don't really want to say dystopia, but hypotheticals, right? I've read some books about, I've read, uh, you know what? Here, let me tell you. So, first book series I recently read was a um, by James Rosone and um, the, the primary author is James Rosone and you should be able to find it. It's called the Falling Empire series, which takes place in a hypothetical second American Civil War. Um, now, what makes this book series interesting for me personally is that, you know, it reads like a RNC fever dream. In fact, many of these books that I'm going to uh, tell you are absolutely bonkers. They are fever dreams, let me tell you. But um, this book, uh, the Falling Empire series, this book series consisting of five books, um, was written in 2019, which, you know, I point that out because one of the, the primary plot of the book is that the that a cabal of world leaders has come together because they don't like the sitting president of the United States, who's definitely not Donald Trump. Going to make that very clear. It's not Donald Trump at all. Uh, but they like they don't like not Donald Trump. And so they conspire to influence the U.S. election to to de, to to boot out not Donald Trump and get somebody in that they like. Um, so they influence, they, they hack... Um, they they wheel mail in voting. They they use disinformation. They use all sorts of fun little means to tear the country to smithereens. So that way they can because the the idea is of the plan. The plan of the the cabal is that um, even if the Americans uncover their plot to influence the election, it's too late because they will already have turned the people on each other, and they can either. Um, not Donald Trump will concede and leave office, or he will um, take action, and the UN can use it to invade the United States. And that's exactly what happens. The uh, supposed propped-up victor, uh, Marshall Tate, uh, he, they, the the U.S. government finds out that their election has been interfered with, and they declare martial law in order to hold a second election with more secured means. Well, the propped up uh, president, Marshall Tate, as I mentioned, doesn't like that, and he flees to Canada. Many of the states declare open, uh, I guess, insurrection on the federal government to try and uh, reinstitute what they believe is constitutional order, and a civil war breaks out. Now, the the thing about this book that makes it interesting is that... Um, that the the actual civil war part um, 
very quickly becomes overshadowed by what essentially amounts to an international invasion of the United States. You have in the north of Canada, you have a coalition force of European powers invading to target Washington, D.C., and in the south, you have China and Russia in Mexico invading through Mexico. Um, so at first what happens, U.N. forces invade from Canada, and this is really when everything is really fun and great. I say fun and great because, I mean, war crimes and the president is nearly murdered. I say war crimes. There wasn't the, the Northern Front doesn't have a lot of war crimes, but they invade the United States um, and they make it all the way down to New York in the northeastern. They invade in the Midwest. They take they take a lot of western uh, northwestern states, and eventually they are in fact repelled um, because of you know naval blockades and and superior air power. The United States is able to repel and occupy Canada. Um, the the fun, fun, interesting part begins in the third book after the U UN forces is dealt with in the north. China finally decides to invade because basically China was playing the international community and uh, going to invade the U.S. and basically establish a, a puppet government in the United States. Um, so they invaded the south. They invade Texas. They invade New Mexico, Arizona, and California. The United States government is basically throwing everything they have at this because they don't have much, again, because they're facing million-man armies by the Chinese government. Oh, par pardon me, I didn't mean to burp into the microphone. The United States government begins to fight back. It's long, it's bloody, people are fighting each other in the streets, uh, people are making deals with the Chinese, but what... Uh, and China begins in engaging in fun, fun, happy war crimes where they start um, murdering people. Um, they basically uh, kill all of the olds and, and the sick people, people with, say, diabetes or um, genetic disorders. They just start killing them. They start murdering them. And they kill all the old people so that way they don't have to feed them in the occupied territories. Um, basically begins stripping the occupied territories of all of their infrastructure as they retreat and um, committing war crimes. And not only that, they also begin taking the women from the country and shipping them to China to marry um, their Chinese soldiers after the war is over. Pretty fun, fun, barbaric stuff. Well, eventually, with some handy-dandy tactical maneuvering and some finally some hope from America's allies, including um, England, Poland, India, Japan, and a couple of others, coming together to come to the U.S.'s aid, they finally managed to, to to push out the Japanese, right? And not only that, there is great hope because the Chinese government basically kind of collapses in on itself. Multiple coups start, particularly in the south of the nation, and um, the, the, the series ends with a stronger America and a weakened China and a hum humiliated um, U.N., and that is the Falling Empire series, which I recommend. It's not very character-based. Um, if if you're a fan of like Harry Turtledove novels or anything like that, there, which are have a lot of character-based um, storytelling, this is not that. This is more about the events. Um, James Rosone's writing is very mechanical, very um, like the. There's no deeper truths to it. It's just kind of more of a fly on the wall. You do get the thoughts of the characters, but uh, they're not very deep. The characters aren't the motivating factor. 
his his writing is kind of so-so. It's not very great, um, very very mediocre. But it is an in an, uh, entertaining. Uh, you you uh, you do get attached to some of the. There's no really main characters aside from say like the president and a lot of the high-ranking military officers. There's not a lot of um, characters like the everyman that you get attached to. There's none of those, which I think the the show would ben the book would benefit the series would the the book series would benefit from um, because I was especially something I would love to see more of is the actual man on the street. What are, what what what's the news stories looking like? What what are the what what how are people living these out in our common lives? Right, you don't see a ton of that, um, but I would recommend uh, giving it a listen on Audible if you got some credits to spare. Uh, I wouldn't recommend buying the whole book, but if you got some credits on Audible, give it a listen. Uh, if you don't like it, if you feel like it's too Trumpy, uh, probably because it is, it's an absolute fever dream of a book. Um, but nowhere near of a fever dream as a uh, as another book series, which I'm not getting to yet. We're still with James Rosone. So another James Rosone um, series that I, I read was called the World War Three series. And it was a hypothetical World War Three set in the 20, 2040s and 2030s. And this series is absolutely bonkers. Not as bonkers as another series, but bonkers nonetheless. So, the story begins with the rise of the Islamic Republic in the Middle East. Basically, these, thanks to some nice political, you know, mischief and mayhem, the Islamic world is united into one superpower, right? Um, the first book is, I believe, called The Prelude to World War Three. Just to give you guys a heads up, the, the the first book of Falling Empress. I know I'm going off topic, and I'm sorry. That's what happens when I don't have show notes. Um, the, the first book of the Falling Empire series, which is the second American Civil War, is called Rigged. Yeah. But back to World War Three. The, the novel begins with the formation of the Islamic Republic um, and the in a nuclear war between Pakistan and India, which results in an economic, a, a second Great Depression, basically. And um, the, the, the United States undergo, undergoes massive economic hardship, um, you know, but hope is returned when the president henry stein and the new freedom party um, begin to gain traction and economic policies begin to help the united states recover eventually it annexes canada and um, and they become and and the canadian provinces become states of the union in um in the 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 united states eventually will does invade mexico um, due to lots of problems with the drug cartels and corruption in the Mexican government, uh, basically just being too unstable to the south and making it really difficult for the United States to continue to function. Trouble begins when the Islamic Republic begin, um, basically begins to plan for an attack on Israel. The United States, still standing by Israel at this point, um, basically learns of this plot and decides it's going to try and counterattack and in, I believe it's the 1930s, or maybe the 40s, the early, early 1940s, I think, or 1940s, 2040s, 
I probably have been saying 1940s this whole time, and I kind of want to kick myself in the teeth. In the early 2040s, the Islamic Republic basically ambushes... Ambushes? That's not a word. <laughs> basically ambushes the United States 5th Fleet in the, um, in the Gulf and nukes it. Uh, nukes the 5th Fleet into oblivion. The United States, the citizens are outraged, nationalism, uh, pride in America skyrockets, um, and they declare war on the Islamic Republic. The Islamic Republic launches an invasion into Israel, and um, it, what, what, what may, and here's where, like, the first few books, the first two, right, this is what was interesting about it, and again, typical to Jay Brosson, there's no you know, deeper ideals or anything like that, very mechanical, very, um, these are the guns, this is what's happening, and this is what they're thinking, maybe tactically, or it, basic character stuff, but not, nothing real, um, motivation is we're, we're fighting for, you know, liberty or whatever, um, or the, the, no higher ideals in the book, that's not really a, a motivating factor, but what I find really interesting is, when the Islamic Republic begins to invade Israel, the 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 IR forces is IR for Islamic Republic come across American soldiers, and what they begin doing is um, because it is a, a fanatical Islamic super state. Um, what do they do when they come across infidels? They well, of course, they um, begin crucifying them along streets and in roads and, and lighting them on fire and, and, and basically uh, turn the war from a purely tactical war into a religious war. And there's a scene in the, in the book where the Pope comes out and he basically declares a holy war on the, uh, the Islamic Republic. So it becomes almost like a crusade. And that idea that we are not beyond the, um, you know, religious conflicts, even in the West, is uh, an interesting one, and it's something that kind of kept me intrigued for a little bit. Um, uh, but all that really serves to you, you never meet a character who's like the reason that they went to fight was because of the um, IR treatment of American troops. You never meet any characters like that, which again, I, I feel is a big shame. I really feel like that would have been interesting. Um, you don't really meet a lot of those, but it, uh, you know, numbers boost and, and more American troops begin fighting. So they begin battling in the Middle East and in on Christmas Eve of um, 2040 or 2041, I believe it's 20... Maybe 2039. I may be completely wrong. Um... The European Union is completely unprepared for this. They are falling back. They get pushed back almost all the way to France. France and Italy very, very quickly. And um, so right off the bat, the war is not going well. Then very shortly after that, China begins launching massive cyber attacks on the U.S. government um, and starts in invades southern... Uh, Southeast Asia, Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, Thailand, Burma, all those countries begin to get invaded. And the um, war is not going great for the United States. Another major event that happens in the war is the IR manages to sneak two nuclear weapons 
into um, the United States and detonate them in New York and Baltimore. This absolutely outrages the American people. They're like, we're going to murder these folks. So the United States launches hundreds of nuclear weapons um, and neutron bombs, which are uh, new weapons in this war that basically just kill people and not damage the infrastructure. Um, but, I mean, this is like a major thing. The, the United States... Uh, when New York has bombed the United States, President Stein gives an ultimatum to the IRA. He says, if you, if you drop one more weapon, we will unleash hellfire upon you. And so out of spite, um, the IR basically says, uh, gives them the middle finger and bombs Baltimore. And the United States IRA says, all right. And so they bomb the living crap out of them, um, knock out all their power. But the IR continues to fight on for a little bit. Um, but that becomes a major rallying cry for the, the Americans are like, all right, we've got to take care of these rascals because they've done they, they've they've killed millions of people and there's a move there and but their actions um tick off two of their neighbors or two of their allies particularly india and japan both nations which had massive massive nuclear debt they were the victims of nuclear war so they are against nuclear weapons india in this hypothetical pakistani indian conflict and japan in world war ii so both of them basically team up with china um china invades alaska uh, china and russia launch a joint invasion of alaska and do pretty successfully for for in their first offensive they take almost all of alaska and push them back into the canadian states um and if, but as winter comes the conflict slows down to a grinding screeching halt and um, then they invade the West Coast, which is a very short-lived invasion, very temporary. They lose, they get pushed out, then they get pushed out of Alaska. Why is that? Well, it because it's because the United States has new secret weapons, right? And these new secret weapons, uh, well, I say new secret weapons. They, you know, there's dozens of exoskeleton suits, lasers. Railguns, all of this is, is very commonplace in this war. Uh, that's one of the, the big things about this book series is the um, emphasis on the, the new technologies, new planes, new stuff. Eventually, um, the United States begins mining resources from the moon. That's the thing that happens. Again, like I said, this book is absolutely bonkers because, like, basically about halfway through the book, I think I think James Rosson and his co-writer just decided you know what we want you know you know what you know what would be good um what if we just started making stuff up like what if we wanted to go to space and then they go to space and you know it's very entertaining uh i say very entertaining very interesting to watch as the, the basically james Rosson just just writes whatever he wants um eventually the, the european forces managed to push back uh the russians back to poland after a regime change of sorts um a new russian president comes to power russia's communist again by the way forgot to mention that um, a new russian president comes forth and creates a peace treaty with the united states um the united states uh, begins launching massive cyber attacks uh there's a invasion of shanghai and a bunch of other places i think maybe taiwan 
or maybe Taiwan's used as a, as a jumping off point. But it's, you know, again, bonkers stuff. The United States and her allies eventually do win the war. The IR is occupied. It's allowed to keep its independence, but a lot of territory is lost. Uh, Russia and China um, are basically banned from space travel for a little while. And uh, basically kind of all's well that ends well. Uh, but in the United, the United States decides it's going to lead the world in a new tomorrow with space travel. Another book, right? And okay, before I go on to the next book, I'll I'll give my 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 review. Um, world War Three is the World War Three series, which I again, if you got some spare Audible credits and you've got like a really boring job or a job that doesn't require you to pay attention, you know, it's good. Give it a listen. You know, have fun with it. Um, there's a little more character. Uh, a, few, a bit more main characters you can uh, you can identify um you know uh, there's the president there's some of his chiefs of staff there's um, there's uh, one of the generals uh, is is a pretty major character who reoccurs and he, he's kind of like a general patent of sorts he's got uh, he's not really liked by a lot a lot of the press cuz he blew up a muslim mosque he blows up a mosque at one point in the book when they're fighting in the Middle East. Um, but you, my, my problem with it is it has cool concepts, like the idea of a modern-day holy war, or a Chinese invasion of, of you know, L.A., like right in the middle of the day, like on, on another Christmas Eve, right, or on Christmas Day. Uh, an invasion taking place out of the blue the idea of chinese tanks rolling down you know one of the main streets of la interesting ideas um you could have some interesting character moments you could just again just have interesting scenes that you can describe and james rosson doesn't really do that again it's very mechanical very this happens and this happens and this happens um not nothing like um nothing to write home about you know no beautiful descriptions right basically it describes the what happens kind of what it looks like but nothing like deeper about it which is fine it does it serves its purpose um, it's not a necessarily going to be the next um oh what's a what's a famous novel you know it's not trying to be romeo and juliet or julius caesar um, none of, it's not trying to be anything like that. It's just trying to tell a, a story about a war, which is something it, it does. It does pretty well. Next book. And this book was actually more of a pleasant surprise, right? So I read Ben Shapiro's um, dystopian novel, uh, True Allegiance. And to be perfectly honest, I wasn't expecting much. I didn't. I, I felt like Ben would probably Ben Shapiro would be out of his, his depth. He seems more adapted to writing, you know, just kind of nonfiction, um, not and, uh, books like Right Side of History, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps, Authoritarian Moment. That see that seems more like his forte. Um, but I was actually pleasantly surprised with with True Allegiance. It was uh, unlike Rosson, very it, it had a lot more character to it. The characters actually mattered a lot more. 
and they weren't just um, just kind of puppets to see the story through, which I think is a problem. Or, or not necessarily a problem, it's just a way of doing stories. And you can have puppet characters to, to see the world through, which is absolutely fine. But it is certainly a... Yeah, there's certainly a difference. So what happens in Ben Jabir's novel True Allegiance? Well, um, one of the the I I wouldn't say one of them, or I wouldn't say the main character, but one of the main characters is a army general who um, is trying to track down this terrorist plot. Very kind of Jack Ryan. I I don't know Jack Ryan, but very. Um, your standard like political thriller the basic idea of the story is that you have a, a president who's concerned less about the effectiveness of his policies and more about the what that's going to look like how are they going to write about him in the history books he's glory seeking he he wants to um make a name for himself and that judges a lot of what he does he pulls out of afghanistan keep in mind this book was written in 2014 so if any of this sounds remotely familiar to you, well, um, yeah, just that. Um, but he pulls out of Afghanistan. Afghanistan falls to, to the Taliban and to these and to terrorist groups pretty darn quickly. Um, the main one of the main characters, I don't even, I don't remember his name, which just shows you how much I care about the, the book uh, how much i actually enjoyed it but i i really did i just can't remember his name for the life of me but um these this army general he's left behind and he basically tries to get out he gets captured by this terrorist group and, and shipped off to iran big story uncovers a terrorist plot there's he uncovers that there's a massive terrorist plot brewing in the united states back in the home country you have the president he's trying to basically rally around his his magnum opus the work freedom program which is kind of a big um, socialistic government spending program taking out a lot of debt from china um, all sorts of fun fun stuff in the in detroit trouble brews as um, a plot begins to brew over um to create a the, there's this um leader in the community one of these community leaders his name is uh is reverend jim i think it's i think it's jim Haverd, but i'm not entirely sure that may not be his name He's, he goes by big jim um very um very much one of these uh the kind of person you would pay to do a one-hour diversity training session at your local staples or at a, a major big corporation, one of those type figures, uh, a race hustler. Uh, so a plot begins to brew to kind of cause some kind of trouble. Big, big Jim's really doing it just for the money, you know, just because he feels like if he drums up some trouble there, they'll give him a donation to his fund, and he'll just have money and get on his way. In the, um, in the American Midwest... Um, more trouble brews as a woman is at risk of losing her farm because um, she can't grow crops because the EPA cut off her water supply because it was affecting the the, um, the 
the life cycle of some type of fish or whatever. And it basically ruined her. And uh, she's had to let all of her workers go. And eventually that woman uh, bombs a water treatment plant and becomes a terrorist. And fun just begins to ensue. Um, eventually in Detroit, violence erupts because a... Um, again, I'm describing this, I'm not describing necessarily the, the, again, I really think you should read these, or listen to these, uh, True Allegiance is a book that I would actually really push for you to go get, not just kind of a, well, if you got some, it's not like the James Rosone where you've got spare audible credits, you, you might want to give him a listen just to kind of fill your ears while you're doing a boring job and mildly entertain you, this is something I would actually recommend you to read. Because it's pretty good. Um, in Detroit, violence erupts after a, a black child is killed by a white cop. Uh, when the white cop mistakes the black child for having a toy, having a real gun, when in fact it was a toy gun, the white cop thinks that he's going to get shot by the black by the black child and and takes action and shoot action and shoots him. And it turns out it wasn't a real gun; it was a toy gun. And it sparks massive protest in Detroit. People start rioting and, you know, looting and stuff. And Big Jim walks in. He's got his man on the inside. Uh, oh, man, what was his name? It's not Trayvon. It may have been Trayvon. Or Davon. It may have been Davon. One of, you know, very much... Uh, you know, one of these, I don't like saying that, that sounds horrible, but, um, has his man on the inside, kind of a man of the people, to, to kind of be the voice of the mob, well, Big Jim is meant to be kind of the civil voice, and be reasonable, and be like, well, the only reason they're doing this is because of all this systemic injustice in the American policing system, and it, it's to be your standard thing, but it quickly becomes something more. Um, in uh, Iran, our general friend is about to be murdered on uh, by this terrorist group, and the video is going to be sh shipped to America. Um, but he's eventually rescued um, when by like a special ops team after he gives the location of the bomb or where he is, and tells them to do an airstrike, but they won't do an airstrike because they don't want to anger the Iranian government. He comes home, um, things are, he's really upset with the president because the president seems more concerned about his own self-image than doing the job that he needs to do. Um, all while this is going on in the background, trouble brews along the southern border as the president, uh, what was his name? Prescott. President Prescott, uh, Prescott basically opens the border wide open. Again, sounds a little familiar. Opens the border wide open. People are streaming in. The cartels are running wild and basically running roughshod over Texas. And um, there's a big standoff between the Texas governor and the president because the Texas governor keeps doing things to enforce the border. He puts in National Guard. He basically begins enforcing the border on himself at the much anger of the president. That's all going on in the background. It's not the primary focus of what's going on. Um, 
primarily. So, back in the Midwest, our terrorist mama, as she's called in the book, um, is surrounded, is found by the FBI and the ATF, and they surround her house, and then militiamen surround, surround the FBI and ATF forces. And under the cover of night, there's a, a basically, the uh, terrorist mama tries to break out, and uh, she's, and some militiamen ride off on their radical motorcycles into the sunset, or into the black of night to escape the FBI. And they run along into the mountains to hide out. In Detroit, the the riotous group, the uprising, I don't know what you would call it, is at a boiling point. Um, they're ready to kill this white cop. They want him dead. They don't want him to face justice, especially after the attorney general uh, finds him innocent. They're, they're thirsty for blood. They're ready to kill. And the the terrorist mama's militias group hears about this and one of them is a friend of the cop and he says we gotta help him out this guy helped me out when i was in a bad place i can't leave him behind and so they decide they're gonna risk it all and go into detroit into the heart of the madhouse and go rescue this cop well when this happens something mysterious happens um the main race leader. I don't like using, I don't know what to call him other than race hustler, Big Jim, the race hustler. Um, Big Jim is killed in his home. It never says who kills him. Um, um, the, the group leader, the, the actual ground leader, the community leader, I'm going to call him Trayvon. That's probably not his name. Um, Trayvon blames the, the terrorist mama group calls him white supremacist, says, hey, they killed Big Jim, everybody's in, a, in a, a frenzy, they burn down half the city, it's chaos, a crisis erupts in New York when finally the um, terrorist attack that um, the general warned about said, hey, you gotta, there's a reason I, I told you to bomb the city, to, bomb, to airstrike me, in Iran is because the terrorist who was plotting this big plot was there. Well, that plot happens, and the George Washington Bridge is destroyed, and people are, are, fall into the ocean. They're dredging the ocean. It's terrible. It's horrifying. The National Guard is called up, and uh, you know what becomes a major point of contention is because the Texas governor does not send the National Guard does not send them to New York. He keeps them on the southern border in Texas. There is a scandal where it appears that a soldier of the Texas National Guard crosses the border, shouts a bunch of racial slurs at some Mexicans, and then kills them, uh, Mexican women and children. Uh, and, you know, that's erupting. Terrorist mama's on the run. Um... Her friends are, uh, one of her partners is killed by an airstrike, uh, by a drone strike, and, uh, you know, in, in Detroit, they're basically, they've basically taken over this, the, the, the riotous group has basically taken over the city, and is, um, running things their own way, trying to establish a new form of policing. 
um, the president basically decides to use the terrorist attack in New York as a way to shoehorn himself into the history books, makes himself out to be this great unifying figure, uh, despite the fact that many people feel that it's entirely his fault that the terrorist attack happened because they pulled out of Afghanistan. You know, generally bad stuff. Crisis erupts when he holds a mass, um, I guess, rally in New York to commemorate those who've lost and to celebrate the country moving forward. Um, the terrorist mama goes to New York to try and kill the president because she blames him for the death of her friend. And uh, that plot is foiled, so the president and his compatriots go into a go to Air Force One, where one of the people they've brought on the plane is actually a terrorist um, who um, detonates a nuclear bomb on Air Force One as it flies over downtown New York and kills much of the military, wipes out buildings, and kills a lot of people. It's a terrible tragedy. The president's killed. It's a big thing. Well, that's not where all the fun stuff ends. The fun stuff... The, the, the book ends with the president being dead. Texas decides that it's going to go to war with the federal government. It, and a multitude of other states are fed up with the way the, the, the government is dealing with things. Uh, and the federal government is basically said that they're going to go in and they're going to dissolve the state's governments because they're not cooperating and um, a civil war kicks off we don't see actually the outcome of the civil war it basically the whole novel is a lead up to that war um you know if there was a sequel that came out i would i would buy it in a heartbeat it was really good i say really good it's probably i thought it was really good because i just finished reading james rosson and i was tired of it and i was tired of mechanicalness and so it was very refreshing to get some actual character based stuff but i would recommend you go read it i think it's pretty good the the book somehow managed to make me hate joe biden even more because um for obvious reasons there were some parallels um the my review again i there it, it makes you think because the the events started out small like okay we're gonna withdraw from afghanistan not a small thing, but in comparison to that leading to a civil war, pretty big. Um, we've seen that. We've seen a, a botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. And we've seen terrorists flood back into the region. Um, we have seen crisis on the border. People are pouring into the border, uh, and, the, and the Biden administration isn't going to do anything. In fact, they try to hamper it with the um, the hoax about the whips, when in fact it wasn't whips. Uh, they weren't whipping Haitian immigrants or Haitian illegal migrants. They were um, actually, the they had the reins of the horse in the, and they were using, they were directing the reins of the horse and basically kind of hitting the horse with the reins to guide it. And from an angle, it kind of looks like you're whipping the Haitian migrants. So you've seen the Biden administration really crack down on, on what the Texas government can do with um, along their southern border. Um, you've got cartel people actually actively shooting at Texas National Guardsmen who are at the border. It's it's bad. What else are we seeing? We're seeing massive um, spending programs that we can't afford, much like in, in Shapiro's novel, again, written in 2014. Uh we're wanting to spend more money than has ever been created by God or man. Um, 
so you see the stage could be set. I'm not saying Ben Shapiro's novel is going to come true. I'm just saying there are some eerie similarities. Um, and it makes you think that it could spiral out of control. I, you know, I truly believe that we could see in our lifetime a, a failed Texas secession movement. Hopefully, in my opinion, a success, hopefully a successful secessionist movement. Um, but we could see that in our lifetime. And the writing's on the wall. Things are not good. Joe Biden clearly isn't focused on on creating good policy. He's very clearly focused on just making himself look good in the history books. And that's his goal. It's um, what he wants. So... You know, that's Ben Shapiro's book. I think it's pretty good. If you want to go read it, go get yourself a copy or, or read it on Audible. I think you'll, it, it's it's an enjoyable book. It's certainly not boring. Uh, the problem with, again, James Rosone, very mechanical, so he gets kind of boring. You know, you're kind of like, oh, do I really need to go know exactly how this gun fires? Can we just get to the shooting people part? Um, but... With Ben, you know, he actually surprised me with his ability to write fiction. Um, so now on to probably the most bonkers story I think I've ever read. I know I said World War Three was bonkers, but oh my gosh, this book series is bonkers and I'm not even done with it. I'm only on book three. It's like a five-part book series. I'm on book three, and oh my gosh, this book series is absolutely insane. It's called The Lone Star Series by Bobby Eckhart. And it was written, I believe, in 2018 or 2017. That's when the book series was written. Let me just pitch this to you. Alright? So, around this time when the book was written, you have to understand what was going on at the time to inspire the novel. Tensions between the United States and North Korea were at an all-time high. So this novel is about a North Korean-induced apocalypse on the United States. Now, what happens is the United States and their president, um, the president, I believe, uh, Harmon, the president Harmon, it's the first female president, um, like a first biracial, part like Pacific Islander, part black. Um, comes after the oldest president, President uh, James Billings. Again, sometimes people do things, and I don't know if they intend for it or not, but, like, the President Harmon and uh, takes over after President James Billings, who was the oldest president ever, and he dies in office. <laughs> Um, the only thing that is inaccurate is it portrays uh, James Billings as um, competent and non-senile. Um, but in the novel, tensions at, um, with North Korea absolutely spike. Um, people begin kind of worrying, are we going to have a nuclear apocalypse? One of the main uh, characters is a prepper. Um, and his family owns a ranch in Texas, and they have bunkers and stuff, and they're um, kind of preparing for the worst. What happens is North Korea, after a failed assassination attempt on Kim Jong-un, 
the North Korean government uses satellites that it actually does uh, in real life have um, in um, in cooperation with Iran they want they use their satellites to drop um, war, nuclear warheads on the United States and create nuclear EMPs over the nation's key power grids one thing they forgot to do was nuke the Texas power grid what, if you don't know Texas has their own independent power grid um, it was created in the 19... It was created, you know, during the Depression. Uh, they have their own independent power grid, separate from the rest of the United States, which consists of the eastern... There's, like, a, a bunch of different power grids in the United States. Um, but most of them are owned by the federal government. There's, like, I believe four, including Texas. There's one on the West Coast, there's one in the Southeast, there's one in the Northeast, and there's one in Texas. So the Texas power grid is the only one that stays up. Basically, the United States collapses into chaos. Martial laws declared. Rights are suspended. Nobody likes it. Texas secedes from the Union and becomes its own country. Again, I repeat, North Korea launches an EMP blast, an EMP attack on the United States. And um, Texas, being the only country with power, secedes from the Union as a result. It's absolutely bonkers crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Um, Texas, like, in this book, Texas nationalism is absolutely extreme. I know that right now it seems high. People really want to secede from the Union. So it doesn't seem that far off. But the idea of North Korea... Um, being perceived as this massive threat. If anything, I think if this novel was written today, it would have been China, um, not North Korea. Seriously, they can't even feed their own people, much less uh, launch a, success a successful invasion on the United States. Eventually, North Korea is nuked into oblivion, and a couple of American cities are nuked. Not a fun time. But the, the I, again, I'm only on book three, and... I know it gets even more absurd. Apparently, Texas gets invaded by something. I just know that from looking at the, the, the description of, like, the fourth or fifth book. I haven't even finished book three. I'm not even that far into it. Um, but it's absolutely insane. Um, it seems like in this book, everybody's a prepper. Every single main character is a prepper. Everybody's got EMP-proof stuff. Everybody's got backup radios and generators. Everybody knows where to get the radiation stuff to get get the... Everybody's a prepper. Um, all of Texas is one big prepper place. And it's really weird. Um, it's definitely enjoyable. It's definitely interesting. Um, but it's, it, it, it's, again, really weird... Um, and, and bizarre. That's how I would describe it. Bizarre and weird. Um, so when I finish it, I'll probably uh, give a review in the next episode that I record. Uh, when I finish the book series, I'll give a review about it. So as of right now, how do I feel about the Lone Star series? Um, bizarre, weird, and probably could never happen on God's Green Earth. Um... Alright, I really feel like we need to talk about politics. 
because this is a political show. I know we've had fun talking about re- reviews and listening to the books I've read and, and how I keep reading really weird books. Um, but we got to talk about a little bit of politics. So what's going on? What is a major story that, stories that have been breaking? What was the what, was the what are the major stories that have broke since I last spoke to you over a month ago? Uh, or not over a month ago, but almost a month ago. Well, for one, a supply chain. Let's talk about the supply chain crisis, which is caused by a number of things. One, you've got Pete Buttigieg, who's the Secretary of Transportation, which what falls under the Secretary of Trans- uh, what falls under transportation and keeping making sure everything runs smoothly. He's the Secretary of Transportation, but he couldn't get potholes filled in his town in Indiana. Just stupid. He was the mayor of a small town. He tried to run for president. He couldn't even get the dang potholes, potholes filled in. And now he's secretary of transportation because he loves choo-choo trains. Um, but part of being secretary of transportation, you have to make sure the supply chain runs smoothly. You have to make sure all the roads are working properly. You've got to make sure, um, you know, the, the, the ships are getting unloaded and, and going back out to sea to go grab more stuff. You know what he's, you, you know what he's doing, though, right? He's not doing that. He's taking care of the child he and his husband adopted. You know. When, now, I, I get that sometimes you gotta take care of kids, right? Uh, I, this isn't about, you know, him, you know, being gay and going on paternity leave and having a kid. This is not what that's about. But, you know, you do have to put in work. You have to work. You can't just go on leave for two months, right? This isn't like you're the mom, right? Mainly because there's no mom in this situation. But one of them does have to take care of the kid. But when you have a very important job, like making sure stuff gets into the country, and there's a massive supply issue... You may want to go look into that. Like, that's kind of your job, right? But, no, he just doesn't, and he disappears for two months, and nobody even asks where he is. And then when we find out, he's on paternity leave. It just makes me angry. just infuriates me that, like, this is happening, but their own lives matter more than when they are public servants. They're supposed to be running the government, and they're more worried about, um, you know their own problems, Um, trying to make sure we have food in our stores, and I work at a store chain, and, you know, we're running out of canned food in the stores, I hear, I haven't been, but I hear Walmart's running out of food, Uh, there was, it's, it's, there was a Babylon Bee article, and the headline was, uh, Bernie Sanders retires uh, proudly, uh, declaring that he has reached his goal of making the United States exactly like Venezuela, Uh, (laughs) and I read it, it was really funny, um, uh, but you know, like they're these are major issues, and it's not just like because Pete Buttigieg ran off and you know adopted a kid. It's also because we have a labor shortage because people aren't going back to work. Why are people not going back to work? It's because you raised the unemployment benefits to absolute extremes where people don't have to go to work at all. They can live off unemployment. For one, I don't think there should be. Um, you know, unemployment just because you don't want to work, which is what a lot of this is. People don't want to go to work 
and so they just get the government paycheck and and you know these are supposed to be in place for covid because people couldn't go to work because of covid and you know when the pandemic first started off yeah when when people actively couldn't go back to work yes that made sense because the government locked them down so the government does have to pay for it if the government locks your business down and doesn't let you go back to work the government should absolutely pay for it because they have to compensate you because you're losing money but at this point the pandemic's over and, and yes i mean that the pandemic is over the vaccine is available you can go get it is your choice whether you want to get it. the pandemic is over this virus was never really deadly to begin with actually i don't know if i can say that you know what screw it i'm gonna say it. the vaccine wasn't that deadly to begin with so it was only deadly to the elderly and to those with massive pre-existing medical conditions it was deadly for those people it's not deadly for for the the you know 24 year old healthy male it's not it's not deadly for you you can go back to work go back to work but the biden administration doesn't want to do that they don't want to tell you to go back home because if they tell you to go back home you know what they do they lose control lose control over what you can do and over how you can live your life and over how you spend your money and how you get your money if you go back to work you know they they lose a lot of power so their goal is to keep you afraid so you stay home and so basically they can bribe you into voting for them so that way they stay in power you know you get you get fat you slip into the warm bath and you and you cut your wrist you know just want to keep you complacent by bribing you, by keeping you locked in your home and making you afraid to go outside. That's what they want to do. That's why the that's why we're having the national labor shortage. It's not because, you know, employees are finally fed up and they're rising up against their evil capitalist overlords and getting finally a fair wage despite the fact that wages are not are outpacing demand and so you're having inflation prices have to go up to pay for the new wages you know because that's what happens if you hand out loads of cash you have to raise the price to pay out for the pay for the loads of cash that's why the price that's why the prices of food is absolutely skyrocketing i mean you spend a hundred bucks on like the most minuscule of grocery items you spend out the wazoo and it's because of the inflation, because of the blowing money into the economy, not just with the the rising wages, the artificial rising wages, but from the, the trillions of dollars that we have spent this year and just thrown, we've spent on, on silliness, on nothing. Uh, we're having a major economic crisis where, you know, we should be booming, but we're not. I mean, last like, we should be gaining millions of jobs every quarter but we're gaining barely hundreds of thousands of jobs. That is pitiful, especially when you consider that we were, in an, we were put the economy into an artificial coma over 2020. We should be booming, but we're not. People aren't going back to work. And until we cut the welfare benefits, and uh, not the welfare, the unemployment benefits, people aren't going to go back to work because we're paying people to stay home. That's not good. If you have the opportunity to go home, or to go to work, you need to go to work. Right? To, to keep our economy from sinking. But this is also not just the fault of Joe Biden. This is the fault of the state governments. The, the blue governments. Blue state governments. Democrat-controlled states. 
still live like there's lockdowns. California still has mask mandates. So does New York. All or I don't know if they still have mask mandates. I know New York has vaccine mandates. New York and California are still living under lockdown mode. Michigan, Minneapolis, all of these places are still living like it's, you know, the height of the pandemic when it's not. You've got red states opening up the economy. is booming in red states. I live in a red state. The economy is booming. And it's in blue states, it's not. It's entirely divided by red-blue lines. Basically, um, red states are carrying water for the blue states because the blue states won't get out of bed and, and open back up and let people go back to work. Keeping people afraid. They keep people, keep telling people, you've, you know, you've got to, you know, COVID's still a threat, even if you're vaccinated. And, you know, because that makes sense. Because get the vaccine. you got to get the vaccine because if you don't get the vaccine, you're anti-science. Also, if you get the vaccine, you could still get sick and die. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It just is, it's, it's just infuriating. It just... It just is irritating and it's aggravating because there's very clearly a solution to this, and that is to reduce unemployment benefits, get people back to work, and the economy will begin moving again. But no, 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 no. We need to spend $3.5 trillion um, on the dumbest of stuff. Literally the dumbest of dumbest of stuff. It's just, it's irritating. And, and, all while this is going on, we're blowing out money. We were spending more than we have. We're doing really stupid economic choices. We're making a lot of bad decisions on the international front. You know, uh, Taiwan, China's going to invade Taiwan. I don't think that's an if. I think that's a, a certainty. They're going to invade Taiwan. And, and I'm not very confident that our president uh, will stand up for Taiwan. I mean... To be perfectly honest, I hope he does. I hope he draws a line on the sand because we have to stand up to China. If not now, then it's going to be too late. You know, we've seen this before. We've seen this exact same scenario where you've got a, a, a dictatorial power, you've got an authoritarian regime uh, bent on expansionism, on uniting Chinese land, hmm? Hmm? You, reclaiming former national territory, hmm? restoring former greatness. Hmm? We've seen this before when the West decides to reckon to to give to appease expansionist authoritarian powers that are antithetical to their own values. We have seen this before. It was called in the 1930s when Hitler. I don't even know if I can say Hitler, because um, I don't know. Again, I don't know all of Apple's policies on uh, restricted content. Although I'm sure there's much worse things said out there, so I'm I'm sure I'm probably fine. You had Hitler, and he took. Austria. He took the Sudetenland. He took all of Czechoslovakia. He marched into the Rhineland and remilitarized it. What has China done? China's expanded in the South China Sea. They've um, annexed Taiwan. Or not Taiwan. They, they annexed Hong Kong. They are um, you know, building bigger and better missiles. They are hyping the people up for war with the United States and they're going we, want to we just want to reclaim former Chinese territory. We just want to reclaim our land. We just want to um, reunify with Taiwan. You think they're going to stop at Taiwan? They're not going to stop at Taiwan. Who's their next target going to be? Who do they ha have their eyes set on other than Taiwan? Japan. 
Japan will be their next target. If we lose Taiwan, they will go for Japan. If they go for Japan, it's a hop, skip, and away from the United States. Remember how I said that the James Rousseau novels were bonkers? I never said that the Chinese invasions were bonkers. I think those are very possible. Cyber attacks and, um, you know, paratroops and naval invasions. I very well could see a Chinese invasion. I don't think that's that far off. If not a Chinese invasion, then nuclear weapons. You know, China, you know, China could invade Southeast Asia. We don't know what they're going to do, but whatever it is, it's going to threaten us. We have to stop them. We have to draw a line in the sand and say, China, if you cross this line, we will stop you because you are a threat to the West. We have to stop wallowing in our own self-pity and realize there are nations out there that do not wish us well. They wish to harm us. But it's very clear that the left is very focused on isolationism and not necessarily they want to, we got to bring all the troops home. We got to bring home our national icons. We've got to lock our doors and fix our own problems at home. Um, you know, and this exists on the right too, just not as commonplace uh, generally. Uh, I've, I've spoken with people who are absolutely dogmatically isolationist. Um, they're like, haha, stupid globalist lib. You want to... China's going to invade us. That, I mean, that's what they sound like. And I find them just as insufferable as leftists. Um, I think isolationism at this point... I mean, I think there can be valid arguments for it. I just don't think those valid arguments apply for right now. Because we aren't in direct threat. China is not going to stop with just, you know, Taiwan or Japan going to come for us because they hate us and they want to be us. They hate us because they hate us. Um, but all the while, while this is going on, I don't think that we're going to be able to uh, stand. I don't think our president will stand up to them. I don't think he will. I think he'll let them take Taiwan. I think he, you know, I think Japan will be the Poland. If China goes for Japan, we'll have to. We will have to step in. I don't think there's any way that any, you know, with Taiwan, you can make, you know, the argument Taiwan really isn't a nation. You know, that certainly is an argument, though I think it's invalid. I think it's dumb. I think Taiwan is a free and independent nation that we shouldn't let fall to Chinese authoritarians. But Japan is, you know, not Chinese land. It's not Chinese territory. They can't have it. They don't need it. They shouldn't have it. And we can't let them have it. But if China goes for Japan, which I really think they will, um, I think that will be the line. That will be the Poland. I think um, Taiwan is more of a Czechoslovakia, and uh, Japan is uh, Japan is 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 Poland. So you know that's my how I think World War Three is going to start, if not by a, a other means. Uh, that's how I think a Chinese-led World War Three will start. Um, you know, what else, what else is there out there? Um, you know, they got this, you've got this terrible story in Loudoun County, um, where allegedly, this is reported by the Daily Wire that allegedly a, um, a boy in a skirt, a bisexual boy in a skirt, um, walked into a woman's restroom and raped a ninth, uh, a, a ninth grade girl, a freshman girl. It's really tragic if that's, you know, again, this is all legend. We don't know for certain, but if what they said is true, 
again, if, you know, this is, you know, what makes the story even worse is in Loudoun County, there's a lot of uh, debate over the transgender bathroom policies that they have and the, and the critical race. But a major thing is the transgender policies they have. And in Loudoun County, you cannot tell a person who identifies as a certain gender, who says they identify as a certain gender, from going into the bathroom with the gender they identify in. So if a bisexual boy in a shirt says, skirt says, I feel like a, I feel like a girl today, he can go to a bathroom and... I'm not saying all transgender people are rapists, but I'm saying you run that risk. You, I, perverts and sickos will take advantage of that. Not I might, they will. They will take advantage of that. And they will go into those spaces, and, 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 and women will be harmed. You know, I'm not saying every transgender person is going to, you know, walk into a, a bathroom and start, you know, going at it and raping women. That's absurd. But that, that's a risk. And what makes this Loudoun County story so sick and disgusting is that the um, the school board claims that there have been no assaults in bathrooms when there's, you know, evidence that there at least could be, you know. Um, we don't, again, there's no, we, we got, there's camera footage. Of the boy going into the bathroom, right? Bisexual boy in a skirt going into the bathroom. At least I think there's camera footage. There may not be. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But we know that there was a bisexual boy in a skirt who had... Who, after raping the, the freshman girl, was moved to a different school in response to this event. He wasn't, He wasn't. you know, had criminal charges pressed against him. No, he was just moved to another school where he assaulted another girl locked her in a room and touched her inappropriately. In Loudoun County, the Loudoun County School Board swept that under the rug. The father of this was understandably really, really ticked off, as all good dads would be. I'll tell you, if my daughter was raped, if I had a daughter and she was raped, and the school board covered it up, I would burn that building to the ground. I would do everything in my power to... to um, ruin them to bring them to their knees i would not leave any stone left unturned um so the father was understandably really really angry he went to the school board the school board denied it and covered up said she was lying said that his daughter was lying despite the fact that we had a verified rape test kit we know she was raped right the rape test kit was positive she was raped she was raped um and they denied it, and so he got mad, and an officer tried to grab his arm, and he shook it off, and he was tackled and arrested, and made the face of, you know, violent extremism at these public school uh, school board meetings, and now uh, the federal law guy, Merrick Garland, is on the case against Timmy's mom, and uh, it's just, uh, they th those are the, you know, it's just really sick that that this kind of thing can happen and can go on. You know, I mean, I don't even really know what what else to say. It's sickening. It's disgusting. This this is why this is why these policies shouldn't be implemented. To be quite frank, I do not care if you identify with a certain gender. In order to make sure that women are safe, sometimes we got to do things that aren't great, right? 
um, protect women. Like, I'm all for protecting women, you know? But I don't think you're protecting women when you allow unfettered access into the women's restroom or into women's locker rooms based on what you say, based on your word alone. If I just say that I identify as a woman, I can go into a woman's bathroom in Loudoun County. County. If I say that, if I just put on a skirt and say that I'm a woman, I can go into a, a woman's restroom. And if I were a pervert, I could rape her. And apparently in Loudoun County, I could just get away with it. I could just get moved to another school. It's just... This is why we have to think about these things. We can't just go based off emotion and think, well, we got to be nice. We don't want to be mean to the transgender community and say that they can't use the bathroom that they want to. We can't do that. Um, so, and, and so we just go with emotion. We go with the crowd. We allow these policies to be implemented and our daughters and sisters and uh, are, are put in harm's way. Uh from sick perverts who will take advantage of this kind of system and will go to harm them and and, and do irreparable harm on them, and, uh, both physically and psychologically. And it's absolutely disgusting. And Loudoun County should be ashamed of themselves. I hope that they all are. You know, all of the school board members are, are kicked off and that child is sent to jail where he is forever uh, castrated, mutilated, and put to death. Uh, and his, his his bones salt the earth. You know, if it is true that he in fact was the one who raped her, uh, again, allegedly he raped. Uh, because it hasn't been proven yet, so we can't make judgments. But if that's true, then yeah, no, get rid of him. And anyone who does this, those sorts of things. Uh, all right, I think that's all the time I have for tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode. Well, I guess this will be coming out in the morning. So, today's episode. Um, be sure to share this with your friends. Follow. Uh, you know, subscribe. Give us a review. I'd greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the video, the, the episode, and I will see you next time.